Yeah, you're right. Did you guys watch the last that episode where we're talking about selling farts? Did you guys watch? That? No. Clips are coming up. The clips it was are it was up. hilarious. Dude. We s- I think um, started a part of. Well, I, so, I did watch one that was really funny though. So uh, it's not coming up. It'll we, be uh, up soon. We I'm were like, I, <laughs> she mentioned sugar babies, right? You know, selling you know sugar attention, daddy. whatever Andy. the case may be. Yeah, and then, and then somehow, Ooh. like Andrea brought up selling farts, like you can make a lot of money. No, selling farts. I said I remember someone yeah. made a lot of money selling, selling their farts. farts. Yes. And then you confirmed, like I've saw, I saw. No, that. no. So, so yeah. So she's like, yeah, you can make a lot of money selling farts. And I was like, yeah, we agree. And then, we actually thought of scenarios. And I was like, hey, so so ladies, would you sell your farts for fifty grand a month? Said, yeah. Fifty grand a month. And the, and uh, Molly was like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I would uh, dishonor myself right that much. And then and then Sandra was also thinking about. She's like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm I'm very. Uh, I guess I'd rather sell. <laughs> I'm, I'm very uh, uh, very hesitant. I would be very hesitant to sell it for fifty thousand a month. Fifty thousand a month. After a it's while ridiculous. of talking, Andrea's like, I was like, like, it's another yeah, stream would, of income. Are you no, fucking kidding? No, me? no. no. <laughs> after that after a while, do. hold on, hold on. No, no, hold on. After after like Andrea's ten minutes of talking things. about this, just ten minutes of talking about it, Andrea was like, yeah, I'd totally do it for fifteen thousand dollars a month. She was using we're doing it for fifty thousand, and everybody just like started cracking up because we were talking about fifty. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. Was this really a thing? Yes, Sunday, and we looked it up. She was selling it for a month. She was making six figures a month on boxing her farts. I don't understand. It's okay. I don't think it really like stays in selling it. Right. So it's like who cares? We are really bored. As a society. Like if we're if we're selling farts for fun. Yeah, people it, are well, ordering even, farts. And people that are buying them. Yeah. Like, we're really I mean, I told him that I would sell pictures of my feet before I would sell my farts. That's a, that's good money, I hear. I, I heard, I heard yeah. that too. But I, I love how Andrea was just like totally sold on it. She's like, yeah, it. I would totally do it for well, fifteen thousand. Yeah, I do it for five thousand. If you're, if you're <laughs> being if you're being practical about it, right? You're like, well, it doesn't take a whole lot on my end. Yeah. And I, yeah. An extra stream of income. Yeah. yeah. I just, I can't believe there's a market she for it, but I shouldn't be shocked there's a market for it. They were all very picky about it. I'm like, so you're going to tell me like, yeah, $50,000. No, no I, I just thought it was funny that you thought it was 15000 and yeah. they were debating about fifty. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? What's your opinions on uh, something a little bit more intense? <laughs> I think we've, I've, I've seen two articles now. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the last three or four years where women have sold their virginity for like millions of dollars. Oh my god! And they were like... Are we geishas again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great reference. Uh, most people don't even know that. But great... Right, did you watch a geisha? It was a really good movie. Memory and a good book, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, that's crazy. Like, where does... And then I think that maybe part of the reason that's kind of slowed down, but there was like... There was a number of people like I got school loans, I got a mortgage, it sets me up for my life. Doing the math on that, and I think potentially that slowed down because OnlyFans kind of bridge that gap where you kind of get the best of both worlds. You don't have to sell it, but you can sell it. Mm. Crazy. That Uh, seems like. Well, I feel like that is um, prostitution. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, there's kind of this rule on selling sex. Um, Some places, not everywhere. Not Vegas. Vegas is. Not Vegas. Yeah. Vegas is wide open. You got the. So here. I forget what it's called. Um, Yes, that one. (laughs) Out. 
Escorts is a kind of funny meme, but then escorts also kind of there's escorts too. <laughs> yeah, escorts. No, there's a one of the uh, 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 there was a basketball player. Am I making this up? Lamar Odom. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Did he die or just OD? No, OD'd. Yeah, but he came back to life. Right. Okay, so I'm thinking about the right thing. Thank you. All right, Catherine, what were you saying? I'm going to read this for you guys. I refuse to ever teach my daughters the archaic concept of losing one's virginity as if some baby-dicked boy who drives a Honda Civic is really taking something special from you. Laugh my ass off, grow up, and overthrow the government. There's a lot in that. Who is is that? Is that 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 one site? Uh, No. No, it's a diff- this is a girl that I follow Dorks with vaginas? Her service. What's it called? Nerds with vagina, but vaginas. Nerds. Vaginas. <laughs> Nerds with vaginas. Nerds with vaginas. I do love that. Is that uh, what's her name? Lana. Lana Ray. Lana. No. Lana Rhodes. Yeah. But it's another girl who is like tied same. in with the whole network. Yeah. Lovely. So it's like there's. A, I feel like there's a point to make there, right? Like you're, like, girls are gonna lose their virginity at some point. So it's kind of like. Well, Maybe you might as well get set up for life <laughs> and get paid for it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I don't. Yeah, because this whole idea of, like, the person you lose your virginity to when you're just, like, stuck with them and they're, like, the one that got away, I don't think that's real. Yeah. No. But here's here, – we were going to go down a totally different vein. Maybe we'll get our, ourselves back over there. <laughs> you brought this up. I know. I was interested <laughs> – this is interesting to me, but, like, I could see – there's, there's like a couple of ways to look at it. Like, well, what is sacred or what mm-hmm. isn't sacred? And certainly when you put it in that frame, it's like that doesn't seem very sacred. But then like one of my rubs with our current society right now is everything is about money and profit. Everything. Yeah. Everything gets filtered through money. And I'm like, I guess if you don't, I guess it's a process of learning perhaps. But like there's a lot of people quietly trying to say it's not all about money. Like there are things that are more important than money. But it, like when you start turning everything into a dollar amount, it's like in exchange for what? Mm. Like to me, the things that I value the most are the things that you couldn't buy with money, that you couldn't exchange with money. Yeah. So when you start to take things that are intrinsically valuable and you make them, you monetize them, I think, I think that's the beginning of the end. But I could be wrong. What do you guys think about that? I would agree. Like yeah. that, what you don't like hold as secret or valuable like that it will become <laughs> about money you know yeah. like but yeah. if if that and your belief around that is going to be the most important thing then you can't really put a dollar amount to that you know when you look at like dystopian sci-fi movies that's one of the things that always shows up everything is exchanged for money like money is the mm. and thus like it's like you become or soulless time. or no part yeah Time. That was a good one. Um, good concept. Mm-hmm. So what if, like, just pretend, what if we created a society in which nobody had to worry about money? Hmm. How different would society look? Way different. Mm-hmm. What would happen, I wonder? Yeah, exactly. I think everybody would be farmers. What are the consequences? You think yeah, so? Then no. I don't think everyone's built to be I'd be. Farmer. I think everybody would follow their passions. They just do what they w- want to do every day, as opposed to I feeling obligated that. to pay for bills and things of that nature. Like if you had all your bills paid consistently, I think I'd still be doing what I'm doing now, because um, I think I'm, what I'm doing now makes an impact on society. But, but I think a lot of people would just 
I don't know. <laughs> like follow their passions would preclude they know what they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. People oftentimes don't know what they are. That's why I th- I think like the 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 concept of following your passions and the advice that people give to follow your passion I think is just BS. Well, and for the most part, the best lies are sixty percent truth. There's enough truth in there that makes it sound good, that keeps people on that that train. I think ultimately, when twenty one to let's say forty one is really about figuring out who you are. We call Mm -hmm. that generally uh, sociology, psychology, psychology. That's regarded as like the summer of your life. Mm Twenty one to forty one, and it's really about figuring out who you are. Forty one to sixty one, and there's these give or take few years on either side of this is the fall of life which is like harvest it's like you you've learned enough now that if you set yourself up right it's mostly just you're reaping what you're sowing now which can be scary if you didn't sow right in 21 to 41 so and then that's you know that's kind of the high season of your life but if you if you never figured that out that's going to be really tricky i think and if history hopefully this changes but history is not on the side of when everything is good humans are good like that right. doesn't we seem to be very informed by pain and by fear and our biggest level ups throughout history have always come that way literally always mm-hmm. come that way now I, i'm hoping we raise consciousness and consciousness is rising quickly to where we flip that switch and it goes from being informed by fear by being informed by love and i think we have an opportunity potentially within our lifetime to flip that switch but you know it's like the the argument my my Probably my favorite scene in the entire Matrix series, even though it's not my favorite movie, is in the second Matrix when the architect is talking to Neo. Yeah. And he's explaining, we created this perfect world for humans, that there was no pain, there was only pleasure, and everything was perfect, and they didn't have and any struggles. everybody didn't want, wanted they to get out. Like yeah. they rejected they, it. They did not know how to exist in that world, and they kept failing. And it was only in, when they incorporated pain and imperfection and struggle that humans seem to thrive and do so much better. And it also created the anomaly, which created Neo, which is genius on so many levels. Uh, but I like, like sometimes it's good to reverse engineer and just kind of play through these things. Well, like, what if we went that direction? What would that look like? Um, but I, if you study history, which sadly seems to be a lost art, history certainly isn't on the side of ease making people better. Mm-hmm. It's usually ease that makes everything worse because people get lazy and they get too content and they, they kind of lose their edge, uh, which then provokes the next stage. So what's the tension? Like, how do you do that? But I don't like, again, to me, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, the things that value most, that I value most, I couldn't put a price tag on. Mm-hmm. Like there is no amount of money that makes me go, oh yeah, I would exchange that for this amount of money. And like, like I feel like, our society has gotten to a point where like literally everything has a price tag on it. And that's bleh, like gross in my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think, I think when you uh, create a utopian world <clears throat> where everything's easy and it's not ideal, I think people um, value having to struggle to attain something. And like you said, you know, that, that which is easily attained is lightly esteemed, right? So if you easily attain everything, you're not going to, you're not going to appreciate the things that you, that you, uh, receive. So I think, yeah, in general, I think there was like a, a book, uh, there was like a story in English literature or something. And it was like where this guy, you know, reached utopia and there was like diamonds, like, you know, coming onto the uh, ocean shore. 
uh, consistently and he just had everything everything was perfect happiness was perfect and he just didn't forgot what the name was rejected it yeah i forgot what the name of the, the story was but it's he Aladdin. rejected it <laughs> as well um and then and then they, they go into like a story of of why um you know you need to struggle in life and it's just more fulfilling that way um i i like the i like the journey i think I, I'm, I'm liking the journey the more and more i'm i'm in like uh, in my life and in business the more I'm like, I'm liking it. I think if, if I had like everything, if it was, everything was easy for me and like I just had everything I wanted, like there's things I'm aiming for, I think I would just, I'd just be bored. Like there's no, I like the fact that there's like, I'm, I'm, I'm like almost an underdog and I'm like trying to make it and then eventually I do make it. And there's another level after I, I you know, hit a certain level, I think. Yeah, I could say safely, at this point in my life, it isn't any one accomplishment that I am most proud of. It is the journey. It's what I've learned along the way. It's the things that I've learned to overcome within myself. Like that to me is where all the value is. Yeah. Through difficulty. Absolutely. Did, did we want to talk about civilizations? Cause I think I'd love to. Yeah. Do you guys have any comments on the exchange of money journey? It's just, there's nothing to compare it to. You know, and everything's good. You don't know that it's good because you don't have bad. You know, if it was always daylight, you would never know the beauty of the sun because yeah. there's no moon. Exactly. You know, yeah. so I think not exactly. only is the appreciation for it, but it's also the comparison of having that bad. To me, that's a really good point. And one of the reasons why history is an incredibly thing, incredibly important thing to study. And I'm concerned with how much we loathe history. As a, as a generation, I yeah, love now. history. I'm like, oh, weird. I, <laughs> I, I'm totally surprised because mm. history does a really good job of effectively giving you perspective. Like, right. bullshit. Yeah, these yeah. things suck. But a hundred years ago, <laughs> I, I would have been killing for what I have now. Right. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and it's that's not, the best predictor. Albeit, it's not perfect, but not it's perfect. certainly the best that we have. Um, and it does. It gives you a lot of insight and can help you gain perspective. Now we seem to be in a season, which is not the first time this has happened, as I'm beginning to learn, where we'd rather try to rewrite history. So right. now we're right. attacking history and going, oh, you know, that's not even actually true. That was shaped by these people with this agenda. Right. We, like, okay, well, humans get to participate in whatever they want to do to create whatever world they want. So great. But it's a pretty silly. Yeah. That's why I'm buying books from 100, 200 years ago as fast as I can get my hands on them because yeah. I know we're going to do everything in our power to digitalize everything and then edit it how we want. So it's great to have like old books and be like, no motherfucker, <laughs> I'm actually reading the book from that era. Yeah. It's not what it says. Yeah. Even like high school history books. Revised. You need, constantly. yes. Like people that are trying to erase the slaves and every, like that's how we learn to be a better country. I don't understand why people are like, well, you know, it's offensive. Yeah. Yep. I agree. History books, history books in school are among the most revised things, like revised textbooks, uh, in, in out of all subjects, which is like warning, warning, warning. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. This is a slightly different topic, but within the same realm of what we're talking about. And we obviously just had like the Fourth of July pass, and I don't know. There was just like I was very contemplative that day of. How many people in the U.S. are like against guns, are against war, 
yet we're celebrating a day where we won a war and we won our independence, you know, like, and then how many people actually think about that as opposed to like, hey, I want to grill up some hot dogs and have some beers and shoot off some fireworks. Yeah, we get too detached. That's the point. If you don't study history, you get too detached from from reality, like our story, and thus you you lose perspective easily. So it's very very normal. It's like, and it doesn't within within two generations that happens. Like you you lose sight of of where we came from. Um, and that's where we're at now. And I, I think if history is any repeater, we're probably going to go into some kind of war. I'm not predicting World War III, but we're likely going to go into some kind of war. We're about 90 years out from the last, if you follow, if you just follow history over the last 500 years, there has been significant change in culture that yeah. was predicated upon war about every 80 uh, or 90 years. World War One, World War Two ended in 1946, mm -hmm. so we're right on the cusp. I think World War Three is going to be the most devastating, uh, obviously, of, of all the wars, and combined, I think. I think it's just... Perhaps the the, the amount of devastation just because of the, the advancement in technology is going to be exponential compared to what we've experienced in the past. Uh, nuclear weapons, other weapons that we're not even aware of that freaking like Russia has a nuclear weapon that cannot be detected until it's, it explodes. Oh God. It can't be detected. Like literally like we won't, we will have no idea it's there. Um, it just, it's in the sky and then falls and, it's crazy. I'm less worried about that per se, but you know, Einstein is uh, among his many quotes. One of them was he was asked what he th how he thought World War World War Three would be fought, and in context, he was part of the Manhattan Project. We found out later, which is the the uh, invention of the atomic bomb, yeah. which he was not wanting to be part of, evidently. But that was his biggest regret. Yeah, was, we smuggled yeah. him out of was Germany, then Russia, and then brought him over here. Like, hey, help us blow up the world. He's like, I thought you guys got me out of fucking Russia, so I didn't have to do this shit. Yeah. But his, one of his you know, questions he was asked is, how do you think World War III will be fought? And his response was, I'm not sure how World War III will be fought, but I'm sure World War IV, World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Shit. Which is... Nice. <laughs> not a very... Uh, wow. <laughs> Jesus. Very, uh, well, it's kind of a dark look at things. But his consciousness never seemed to get over five hundred or four ninety nine, which I think is really interesting. Genius level, but four ninety nine for those who follow Hawkins' transcending levels of consciousness is as high as you can go into the state of wisdom and understanding. Five hundred is when love starts, and he like went right up to that line. Like no, nope. no, no, stay away. <laughs> which makes sense, considering he was an infiltrator. I think Einstein's a very interesting person like all of our all of our, the foundation of physics is based on all of his theories that he you know mathematically <coughs> proved um he, he's just a really interesting person and I, if there's nothing if, if there's one person that proves why the government needs theoretical physicists it's einstein because <laughs> that's and that's fine. <laughs> because you, because uh japan suffered because of a theoretical physicist that figured out quantum physics that developed the hydrogen bomb so nagasaki and uh, hiroshima is you know what happened because of einstein so that's why people wonder like oh how why are people certain people getting scholarships it's because there's certain people 
that can do theoretical physicists, and there's a very select few people that can, that are smart enough that can do theoretical physicists. And so we need to give them all the scholarships we can give them, uh, because if you want to turn your world upside down, go study theoretical physics. It's like that, that'll like. But but here's the thing: physics is one of those things where like IQ is extremely important in physics. Like there's people. There, there were a few people, like, so when I took physics, it was, uh, I took kinematics, and I took, uh, it was just the first level of physics, and then it was electromagnetism afterwards, and there were people in physics, like, straight-A students in physics, I was in the class with them, and they did not understand anything, no matter how hard they studied, no matter what they did, it doesn't, didn't matter, they would study two days straight, and they were like, I still don't get it, I don't get it. Okay, so then there's there's the next level of like, okay, I understand physics, I get it, I can I can work hard to understand physics. Then there's the next level of like, I just get it right away, and then there's theoretical physics. So there was this one guy that was explaining this, and he was like, there was he was like a math scholar, and his his brother was a math scholar as well, and he said he's like way smarter than his brother, but what he was saying was, so Caltech is like this university, and you have to have like the average SAT score in Caltech is like. 1570 or something like that like you're on the, you're the lowest 25 percentile if you're at 1570 on your sat meaning you're like genius level um and he was saying that like there's people like in caltech he was a theoretical physicist he said people in caltech that did not could not understand theoretical physics they understood physics but they didn't understand theoretical physics and they couldn't prove out certain equations and jeff bezos actually mentioned this he was like you have to be like top level, like like the top fifty people in the world to under to even get to the point where you're effectuating any type of change in physics, and so it's like there's just certain people that can do it, and we need to give them all the resources we can possibly give them. Um, well, part of the reason, and I'd love to hear what you guys think on some of these topics here, but part of the reason that happens is because you create a worldview through your frame of what you think physics is that crystallizes and once it crystallizes you're stuck and like in most scientific fields it's accepted that if you don't come up with a new theory by the time you're 35 you're not likely going to because you become totally indoctrinated by whatever your current paradigm is right it crystallizes a very strong indicator of intelligence is being able to keep your mind from crystallizing where it stops like yeah it, it doesn't get rigid Right. And a lot of people don't know how to do that, which is why it takes entire generations for a new fucking way of looking at the world to come out because a whole generation will get crystallized around seeing the world a particular way. And then they, yeah. they, they literally don't know how to not. Right. And um, that's scary because we're one technology away from being not the most powerful country in the world. One technology away. That technology probably is related to gravity in some, some way because um, it's the only force we haven't really mastered. So we have four forces in nature. There's Not strong mastered. force. There's a reason why we still harnessed. call it a theory. Yeah, harnessed. Like, we haven't harnessed that's gravity. That's wild. It's gravitational theory. theory. Gravity? The theory of gravity, meaning we still don't quite understand what the hell. <laughs> why we <laughs> always fall down and shit. <laughs> Which is why it's still called gravitational theory. Well, yeah, so there's, there's, four, there's four forces in nature. The first is weak. The second is strong. The third is electromagnetic. And the fourth is um, gravity. We've harnessed all three of the other forces, and once we harness gravity, then it's like game over. Whoever harnesses gravity in a in a weapon, it's like game over for the rest of the world. 
Like we know how to, we, we know, yeah, we don't know how to harness gravity. We know that how it works, I guess, but we don't know the intricacies of, of why it works. And there's some interesting history and some theoretical aspects and other sources that come into play here, but there seems to be a, excuse me, the limited information as far as physical records that um, Atlantis did know how to manipulate gravity. The, the, many people believe that a lot of the ancient architecture was only possible because they knew how to use gravity. Um, meaning they were floating blocks into place and mm. moving massive stones into place. Because so we, maybe we, the pyramids like, the like pyramids. created gravity. No, 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 no. Well, to be fair, this could be an aspect of electromagnetism too. But like, we talked about this before, and I heard you guys bring it up on another podcast that we weren't on. But like, we still don't know how they put those bloody blocks in place, just in in the pyramid, right? <laughs> Nobody so, wants to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not going to go down that line. But, like, mentioned it you're exactly yeah. right like our biggest cranes couldn't do that so forget yeah. we don't know how they did it yeah based the, on our biggest cranes know. can only lift 10 ton stones <laughs> and there's multiple 200 ton stones right and so one yeah. of the operational theories is that they were literally you know i'm saying this in layman's language they were essentially floating them into place like yeah, well, yeah. no evidence of that but it could it's possible well there is some evidence of that and that all of the stones that are used easter island you've got these big random Massive circles. round, yeah, stones in uh, stone somewhere in the middle of uh, Mexico. I think it's Mexico, somewhere in Latin America. Mm. Like, there's all these places. One thing they all have in common: all the stones used have electrical charge, all of them. Mm. Which yeah. that like that gives you like a huh. No, and there's there's insulation on the external uh, part of it as well. So there's like it acts like a real like mechanism for electricity to transfer through it. Um, so there's like there, there's a conductive element well, you're with internal. Uh, most no, most stones, most stones that you're talking about, there's like well, I, yeah, I'm talking specifically about the pyramids. I don't know about the other stones. I'm not educated on that. But there's like a conductive element, like um, for sure, that is uh, that induces electricity uh, on the internal as on, of the um, limestone dolomite, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the external part um, that's an insulator. So and you, there's, it, there's theories electricity like can't be induced. We are conducting electricity potentially through the Earth's um, magnetic field, but um, I believe it's the Great Pyramid that was supposed to be a tomb for what's the name Khafu, but Khafu, yeah. Khafu, but there's no we haven't discovered yeah. a tomb. We haven't discovered a. There's no evidence for it being a tomb. Right. So it's like, well, what the yeah. fuck? Anyway, the pyramids are like one of my, my like, why, why did we stop? Like, maybe we didn't stop. I'm just getting in the I, game. But I mean, I could talk about this for 10 podcasts, but I, I think it's going to annoy everyone. <laughs> but this is like, this is stuff that it's like, that's just. Well, you, you know that like in uh, ancient Rome, there were stones or concrete that we can't uh, replicate. I don't um, know. Well, it, well, it was built before Rome. Rome built the, what was the, 
oh, I'm killing it. The the Acropolis. Acropolis. One of the is it, no, is it the Athens Acropolis. It's, it's yeah, one of the. It was built on yeah. top of an existing structure that we still don't know how that structure was built, and it was tore down to its roots, and then they just built on top of it. But we're like, no, but the, the fuck. Th there's concrete that ancient Rome, I think, developed um, that strengthens in water, and we don't know how to replicate that. It's fascinating. So, which which shows lost. which shows you that we literally forget how to do things. Mm -hmm. If, if we don't have, if we're not consistently trained and educated on, on certain aspects of our technology, we literally forget how to do it. Like we, we literally forgot how to fly to the moon. Like we had to relearn it. Um, that's what Elon Musk talks about is like, we literally, so technology doesn't advance by itself. Yeah, Somebody right. has to actually have ambition to, to change it. To the stones very quick and then we can pass. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you guys remember, it's like in one of, I think it's the, first episode of Star Wars. Maybe don't it's, remember. It's nope. Maybe the second one. Where they're trying to, f I think it's the second one. Fuck. Maybe it's the third one. It's one of them. But he's going to look for a missing planet that he can't find. Right. And the planet, the planet is missing. It's, he goes, it should be right there, but it's not. Right? And Yoda is teaching these young students, these young Jedi, like he's instructing them at the point when Obi-Wan comes up to talk to him about this. And Obi, and so then uh, Yoda like goes to his students. He goes, "Well, what is the obvious answer?" So, and and they answer it for him, and it is the obvious answer. Somebody removed it. Right. Like, it's there. It's just somebody deleted it from the file, and that's exactly right. And he, he was able to find the planet because what was staring them in the face was so obvious. You're trying to explain. Well, it's like that's why I buy into some of these theories of like, okay, how did we move these fucking stones? Like, mm. we don't know how we. We, we wouldn't be able to do this. Like, well, what is the obvious answer? They were using a technology we don't have, right? Instead of trying to explain it through fucking levers right. and logs, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. 16,000 <laughs> slaves per fucking stone. Yeah. It's like perfectly aligned up 485 feet or whatever the shit is. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just math, dude. I'm like, bro, that's, that's not math. <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> but anyway. We do have and we just don't know how to use or forgot how to use. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think... And I think we're going to see some of these technologies come back onto the earth and it's going to freak people out because they're not going to know what to do with what they're seeing. Where we do learn how to move things in ways that, like we took a, like a more physical approach to technology this last time around, which was probably better for humanity because it appears anyway that some other civilizations pre 10,000 years ago wiped themselves out Mm -hmm. because they were playing with technologies on a whole other level that they just, they got crazy. Well, do you, do you know about this, like, Bob Lazar stuff? No? I don't know who that is. I don't think. Anybody know who Bob Lazar is? No. Nobody knows who Bob Lazar is? Wow. Okay. Is he a chef? No. <laughs> no, it's, it maybe sounds like Wham. it. But. So Bob Lazar was uh, a guy that came out, um, became, he went public with the work he was doing in the government. Did he um, disappear afterwards? No, he's still still no. alive and still does interviews. Joe Rogan did an interview with him, but oh, is that what you sent? Uh, the message? No, no. no. Um, so uh, Bob Lazar, he worked for S four in Area fifty one, and he was literally. <laughs> yeah. And he hasn't disappeared. A no. lot of uh, but so alphanumeric designations. Yes, yeah, so so he he was they were working on this technology. Apparently, it was alien technology that harnessed gravity. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, he said they, they, they knew how to work it. They knew how to like operate it, but they didn't know how it worked. And he was sent there because he was like this genius guy to figure out how it worked. And he's like, we have no clue. We st- and I don't know if they're still working on this to this day, but he's a very credible source. He worked for the government. Um, and um, a lot of things that he said in the past that people you know, called him on, they were like, this, is, this sounds like bullshit. It actually came true. Like he said there was an element that we didn't have in the periodic table. Um, There's many. That, yeah, the we element discovered that, three more el- element that we had in the periodic table that was used to, to harness the t- technology, and it fa- and they found out like twenty years later that the element actually existed and the government was working on it, and then they had like you know particular programs that he talked about, and he's saying that there was this technology that they found and it was like a spacecraft and it was operated through gravity, by gravity, and uh, and it's just like really really interesting um, because people have tried to disprove you know what he said and a lot of things like you know came true well Um, well, think about this to to interrupt your thought process this is how i keep myself sane with this shit because undoubtedly when you start getting into the theoretical and you start getting out into the woo-woo land you invite every crazy half-assed conspiracy theorist you invite everyone who's looking for attention and trying to draw attention to them like you just you get out there and shit starts to get crazy and can get out of control (laughs) Right? So it's easy to get lost in all of the silliness of it. And then when you do that, very often you're going to miss some very obvious truths or potentials to change society because you reject everything. You, can't, you don't have a system for not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But here's how I, one thing I do to keep myself sane. If I dropped into the 1500s right now with my cell phone right, and I said, yeah, I just push a button and I can talk to people all over the world. They're like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. They yeah. have literally right. no way to understand that. And they're like, well, prove it. Well, I'm like, well, I'm in the 1500s and there's no cell towers right now, so it doesn't actually work. They're like, yeah, I thought so. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then I'm, well, then explain the technology. Well, we have towers set up and in little invisible uh, communication okay. packets that you can't see, but trust me, they're there. They do communicate with one another. They wouldn't get it. Yeah. And they would think you're fucking crazy. Yeah, but not only that, you, you have to think about, like, let's say we sent um, a nuclear weapon to the Victorian era. Well, you don't have to get right? that fucking crazy. But, no, but, but saying, say, say you sent a nuclear... A hold on, hold on. No, <laughs> let, let, me, oh let, let me explain. Let me explain this a little bit. So if, if, if you sent a nuclear <laughs> reactor, right, to the Victorian era, they would, they would go, hmm, this is strange, right? They would try to take it apart. Blow themselves up. <laughs> they, they would the radio the radioactive materials would kill them all everybody in the room. So Bob Lazar was talking about how this technology that they found in the government, like they were extremely careful because they didn't know if it would like kill them or right. Where the case may be. We don't know what you don't know. But it's but, easy to not get. For me, it's easy to not get freaked out by technologies that we don't understand and reject them as wholesalely not existing simply because I can't get my mind around it by simply jumping back in history and trying to explain things that yeah. we take for granted every mm-hmm. day of our lives mm-hmm. that they would be like, this doesn't exist. There's no way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think it's only a matter of time before this stuff starts to come around and there's good, there's, hmm, I should say good. There is some archeological evidence to suggest we've been here before. Like we've gotten to a point where we've, our technology and our science has gotten to a point where we had a potential to either uh, elevate, <laughs> ascend, or destroy ourselves. And if, and if 
and in history, it seems like we've taken the, the lesser path. Er Eric Weinstein. Eric Weinstein doesn't think we'll survive the next 50 years. That's what he said. Yeah, there's always um, been that guy. And uh, he's great. He's a theoretical physicist. I but uh, see you in the next one, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if we can if we can somehow get to the speed of light, that's going to change a lot um, because it freezes time. Essentially, technically, when you get to the uh, speed of light, and this is proven already with uh, the Hadron Collider in uh, what is it, France? Is it France? Yeah, in Europe, CERN. Sir, it's uh, the Hadron Collider. So you, yeah. there's like a certain like um, particles that that so. First law of thermodynamics says that you know everything decays, right? So there's this particle. It's called the muon, I think, muon or the neutron, muon or neutron. But it decays in like I think 30 seconds, and you can literally put it in the hadron collider at the speed of light because that's what the hadron collider it does. It, and it won't decay. It will literally stay like it'll stay alive or not decay for you know way longer. So. You could you could put it in the hadron collider. It, the decay uh, you know, time horizon is probably like 15 seconds or something. You could put it in a uh, hadron collider for like three hours and it will still be there, which is crazy. Which shows you can actually travel in the future. You can slow down time. What's most interesting to me about this stuff is we're obsessed with the first three dimensions, and I just can't wait until we get the fuck over. We're, we're, we have four dimensions currently. Correct. Uh, we're still time. very much obsessed with the physical world. And it's yeah. like when you get to the next level of the game, you realize Dude, that's, it's a sandbox. That's why I love Interstellar. You have you have you guys watched no. Interstellar? Is Such, that the space one with Yeah, the, there's the a little there's there's, yeah. there's exaggeration. Okay. There's exaggeration in it, obviously. Um, but it, it, it like it explains, you know, the phys physics. It seems it's like still, science fiction, but it's, it's still real. still trapped in physics as we know it in the first three dimensions. I'm more in like the Neo camp when he's talking to when Neo's talking to Morpheus, and, Morpheus and Neo goes, "What do you, what do you mean? You tell me I'm able to dodge bullets? That's physics." And yeah. he goes, "No, Neo. When you get this, you won't have to." Right. Like in other words, yeah, the physics that you think is so important is going to go fuck, fuck away, and yeah. that's I think why. So many people get stuck is because they don't know how to see out of physics as we see it, which is the we're so obsessed with the material universe that as soon as you get out of the material universe, I mean, it's beautiful that we're, we're doing everything in our power to, to understand every little piece of it. But once you get out of the physical universe, it's like like time is an illusion. So it's funny to me that we're so obsessed with trying to figure out how to make time not an illusion. Maybe that's the path for some, like, hey, we actually figured out through physics that time doesn't actually exist. Oh, well, yeah, I'm glad you figured that out. That we're seeing this we're seeing this where there are deep spiritual truths that have been taught for thousands if not tens of thousands of years that now science is going oh yeah that's true <laughs> glad it worked out for you you got there on your own <laughs> you know it's like okay. yeah that's, that's funny um but yeah i think it's just really interesting if you if you watch uh, interstellar you know I, I don't know if you guys know the story but doesn't he shake his hand or high five him or himself yeah so so i guess there's like the the weather we, we don't have control of the weather in, in uh, interstellar okay. and and all of the 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 food supply is depleting at a at an exponential rate and so we actually need to go to another planet to um, survive mm -hmm. and so yeah I think. and so there was there was this one planet they went to it's called uh miller's planet i believe miller's planet and this miller's planet was like close to a black hole and so because, you know, black holes, gravity is much stronger, close to black holes, on Miller's planet, 
when you change gravity. So theory of relativity with Einstein is really a gravitational theory. It's not really like space and time theory. It's like more of a gravitational theory. And if you're like on Miller's planet, closest black hole where gra gravity is way stronger on Miller's planet when they um, went on Miller's planet every what was it every hour was seven years on earth I was gonna say it was wow like a decade it, every every hour was seven years on earth so you were on this planet for one hour seven years on earth passed so they they got on, they went on this planet and they they were like so other people traveled to this place and this they 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 go out and it's all water there's like nothing there and this girl tries to get this data that this other scientist because they need this data to figure out if like humans can survive on the planet right so she's like we need to get this data but there's like this huge tsunami of like it was like 100 feet high that was coming towards them and she's like no we got to get this data so like there was this weird logistical issue where they had to like go save her and they had to get all the other people in the and, and like five hours passed or something like that. Oh my gosh. And so by the time they got onto this the spacecraft, there was another guy that was like in this in space. He was like twenty three years has passed. And so this, this so this guy, Matthew McConaughey, is like watching all of the the video of his family sending him like as they age. And this is actually theoretically true. This this can happen if but the so the 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 weird thing about him being on Miller's planet is that close to a black hole, they would literally be be squashed if, if the gravity was that strong. If gravity was that strong, they would they wouldn't be able to survive on the planet. But I'm I'm thinking that eventually when we get to a planet like that, we'll have technology that will be, help us survive. But that theoretically is true. That can happen if gravity is strong enough in a specific planet. So I thought it was so crazy how That's like good movie. literally the the son, his son, like had a baby, was introducing the baby uh, after 23 years. It would be a total uh, mind fuck for the person that felt like they were gone for 15 minutes. Right. It's just a really intense shroom trip. happened. Yeah. And then so when he got back to Earth... Like after they finished, like oh, their... don't tell me the end. Oh, okay, I won't. Just watch it Interstellar. Just makes me wonder, but like, it's... would you age at the same rate no. relative to the time that you are processing in? You know? No, they don't. But that's to me. This is the whole point. It's still playing in a particular sandbox. Certain physics that we understand. Once you release that frame, now you're free to play in any sandbox. How do you do that? Recognize it's a sandbox to start, which is. Scientists are gonna have a real hard time with that because their entire world dogma. Sure. They're very dogmatic. Yeah, yeah, dogmatic, and their whole world makes sense based on their frame, which is why they're, there's a limit to what they can understand. As is anyone, right? Like we, the world is informed by how we see it. So we create frames, and we get rigid about our frames, and that's all we can see. Which is why, in science, it's largely accepted. You're not gonna come up with any new theories if you don't do it by the time. Because for most people, their brains crystallize. Einstein, obviously, being one of the one of the exceptions. Hmm. Um, he was he, just, he was uh, more successful later in life. He, like, he was like a clerk by thirty six. Like, yeah, he was like ramped up, which is he's unique, but he was also a genius. But, so. but if you looked at his life from like one to thirty six, slow, you would you would think this guy is not going to think of a th theoretical physics that's going to change the world. He's you would not think you would think. He's not successful. He's a clerk, probably making minimum wage, right? Mm -hmm. And then at 36, he thinks of this theory of relativity. And the scientists, and then, and then so, so it took it took him like I think a few years for the scientists to even give him a chance to like 
hear him out on his on his theories because they were like what are you going to tell us you're a clerk we're like phd scientists at like harvard you know like what are you going to tell us that like literally for two years they were doing that to him uh, and then and then a after a while he's so good he couldn't be ignored they just they, they looked at his theories they got one person look at his theories mathematical equations like this makes sense i love it i love this shit i think it's fun I'm, I'm, we're talking about Einstein, though. I don't know. My, girl's my <laughs> favorite. Uh, I'm excited for in, you. Entanglement. <laughs> but like, like entanglement theory is among, that's a super fascinating one to me, right? He called it spooky at a distance, which yeah. is how two different objects Sorry. can interact with each other I'm here. at massive distance. And we don't have any way to understand how that's happening. We still don't get it. For example. Um, and one, of the, one of the more enjoyable kind of stories is they took, uh, scientists took white blood cells or cells off a, um, this wasn't white blood cells, but they took cells off a U.S. naval um, survivor of Pearl Harbor. They took uh, cells off his tongue, scraped them into a Petri dish. And so they were cultivating in a Petri dish. And they took the Petri dish, I think it was 100 miles away, but it was a significant distance away from him. And then they tied the uh, they tied equipment that would be most like a lie detector test to the petri dish and to him, and they started having him watch Pearl, Pearl Harbor, Harbor um, like footage. Footage, mm -hmm. and at the exact same time, like they would react, they would respond and react the exact same way. And we don't have we currently don't understand why that is. Hmm. It wasn't like they were communicating. There right. was no space. There was no like. There was no like gap. It wasn't like, this is communicating with that, and then that responds. They were communicating at the same time, which is, ties into that is entanglement theory expressed. Uh, but he Einstein called it spooky at a distance because he was like, I, I, I don't really know where this goes. Like, I don't understand how this happens. What was the uh, physicist Michio, Michio Koku or something? Yeah. Anyways, he, he was talking. I, that's a video I sent you guys. Um, but he, talk, he was talking about entanglement, and he was also talking about civilizations and the different types, three types. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, you got basic civilization or level one civilization, which we may or may not, where we can basically harness the Earth resources. And then I think second one is universe, and the last one is galactic. No, no, no. So something like that where you get... St interstellar? No. Is it stellar? Fuck. Okay. It was The second is like stars. You can harness stars, right? And then third was, it was like galactic, where it's universal, where you can harness and control every aspect of the physical realm. And um, meaning you could travel through space without, you know, uh, challenge. You could do it in seconds. You could harness black holes. You can travel through black holes, no problem. Travel through wormholes, whatever the case may be. And he said, so, so type one would mean like we would literally have complete control over every aspect of the physical world, right, uh, meaning meaning we, we'd ha we'd harness gravity, we'd um, be able to harness biotechnology, so we'd not have any diseases, we wouldn't have any viruses or cancer or whatever the case may be. That would be completely eliminated from the earth. Um, we could control the weather, we can control volcanoes, we can tr control earthquakes, tsunamis, things like that, and we'd have complete. We'd ha be able to harness control completely over, over uh, those things. Um, where 
what he was saying was where mathematically you can actually make equations that kind of show the exponentiality of, of technology. And he's saying we're about 100 years away from that, 100 years away from completely harnessing everything on Earth, uh, the, pow- the, the uh, forces on Earth. Um, but he said in that 100 years, that's like the most deadly because we're trying to figure that out. We're not harnessing it, but we're creating new technologies that could literally destroy the world. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so well, that, that was what I was referencing when there is archaeological evidence that we go through this cycle between 10 to 100,000 years. Like right. this isn't our first rodeo with this. Usually you get ancient Lemuria, you get uh, Atlantis, and we know archaeologically there are other societies who have been magically wiped out and we don't have a good explanation for what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Like tectonic plates shifted, they all went underwater, new continents arose, and the whole thing started over again. Um, and it looked like you know, th- they were playing with technology they either didn't totally understand or got bored and started fucking around with it. But yeah. 